Hi everyone, I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. It's a Thanksgiving edition of the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast, Sheriff Flawless and Some Guy Named Dave. Hashtag SLGND. We're thankful to have Golden Knights owner Bill Foley join us in studio for a wide-ranging interview. What's it like watching a Golden Knights game with Bill Foley? his relationships with the other NHL owners, and his thoughts on possible in-season trades, philosophy on the draft, and potential free agent acquisitions. The crew also examines the latest Golden Knights games, which players are candidates for the Hart, Norris, and Selkie trophies, and of course, our favorite segment, Raise or Fold. It's hashtag SLGND, a Thanksgiving edition of Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave. And now, Here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva. I'm Dave Gosher, also known as Some Guy Named Dave. Thanks so much, Dan, here in the Thanksgiving season. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast coming to you from our studios in Vegas, only a few days away from Turkey Day. And, of course, our podcast always brought to you by Foley Food and Wine. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wine, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you will also have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. And they look forward to hosting you during their next visit. Cheers. Speaking of Bill Foley, he will be our guest of the day later on here on hashtag SLGND. I'm sure he's really looking forward to this visit with uh, with these three dudes. Normally Gary we, Lawless, Shane Knighty, what do you got? Normally we have our three stars, and we should still have that, but we should have a secret uh, uh, who can shine the owner's shoes best award today as well. Dan Duva. I cannot compete with Gary on that. Oh, nighty. Oh, boy. I have no, we have no chance, really. No. No, just, How did we manage to get one of the Gary might as well take it right now. Whoever smelt it dealt it, I say. I'm going to be so Uh-oh. bummed out if he doesn't bring some product into for his little interview. Mm. Fully, fully wine. I mean, I mean, it's the holiday season. Well, it really would bring out your personality. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Do we know if he's listened to the program yet? I don't I mean, I does hope, he know what he's I, getting I into? I hope he hasn't subjected himself to it. He's got to have better... Think about it. He's got to have better things to do. I mean, he might, but, uh, I mean, he did agree to do this, so uh, he must have heard yeah. something that it's not going yeah, to be wasn't a firestorm. Well, we're or, assuming it wasn't against his will. I hear on iTunes, it's right up there with like that whale music that puts you asleep at night. Mm. It's uh, right near the top of the charts with uh, in terms of uh, easy listening. Not today. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, we got lots coming up. Bill Foley's going to be on the show a little bit later. Ron, we'll go around the NHL. We'll have our quiz. Dan Duva will uh, do his uh, hand out the three stars later. Imagine the owner, Bill Foley, will probably get the first star. It's probably already a shoe in, Dan. Is that uh, no? Uh, uh, it's under consideration. Okay. We, we'd like to have him pick the three stars. I think that's a good way to go. We, I mean, um, I will consult with him, and uh, maybe he could pick. I might advise if he needs some suggestion. But uh, no, I, I think that's a good thought. Give your nickels worth of free advice? Yeah. To uh, to uh, Mr. Foley, perfect. So, uh, all right, guys, here we are. We're sitting uh, right here in the the Turkey Day season, and the Vegas Golden Knights continue to be uh, phenomenal at, on home ice. You know, they they had their their struggle struggles, obviously Shane on the road a little bit. You know, recent two game trip, Edmonton not great at all, obviously with an eight to two loss, but they were able to they were able to bounce right back um, and knock off Vancouver two days later, and then. 
you know, we kind of talked about it in the, on the broadcast the other night, Sheriff, the, 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 the wave of energy and emotion they seem to get from playing at T-Mobile is unbelievable. Seven straight wins now at home, the longest win streak um, in the league this year. You've, you played a long time. Is this something as a player you just you feed off the energy and that unbelievable atmosphere in the building? I think it certainly has an effect on the players. I think there's a there's a confidence that's been built coming in and playing at T-Mobile. They, they, they feel good at home. Uh, there's an energy in that building, as you said, and electricity, whatever you want to call it, that really propels them forward. But they play a good game at home. There's starts. I think you come out, you're a little more jacked up. The adrenaline's flowing. You're ready to come out and play. And I think the fans, uh, and maybe it goes back to that opening game. It was so special, uh, the way everything started the season, you know, with the, the tragedy that happened. And there was an instant connection or a bond between the fans and the team. They fed off it. And I think it's just continued on, and they've built off that start they've had. And then this team where this is more than just, you know, a group of guys feeding off that, you know, early energy or people call it luck. There's no such thing now. They, they've built something here. They've come together. They are a team now that has confidence. And to a man, there's an expectation in that room. And I think that starts, well, maybe the guy at the top, that's what he wanted for this whole organization, but down through George McPhee to Gerard Gallant, to the team, to the players, to the individuals, that they want to come out and compete. And on the road, there's been some bumps, but not really bad outside of that one game in Edmonton. They've played very similar, but at home, I think there's a little extra boost from the crowd and 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 confidence is key. That they have a certain uh, you know ability to come here at home and they feel they feel that they feel it from the fans. They feel it from one another and uh, truly has been remarkable to see what they've been able to do here on home ice. I'm not sure you know. I leave the reasons why to Shane, but for me, what the result is is that you know they are a playoff team. Uh, that, you know, a, a point behind the Los Angeles Kings and the Pacific, games in hand, it has been, uh, they have really built a foundation that in, in today's game with the three-point game, they got a real chance for this to, season to become special. And you're starting to hear the word playoffs associated with the Golden Knights all around hockey. The players aren't talking too much about it. Although, before the L.A. game, this is a divisional game. We know they're ahead of us. All of that talk, that was, to me, to hear that coming in November and from an expansion team was, we know where their mind is. Their mind is on achieving something very special. And, uh, you know, when you look at the big picture of what they're trying to accomplish here, this changes a lot of, you know, listen, the plan was for George McPhee to sell as many of these players as he could for draft picks. You want me to add that number about the Thanksgiving? At Thanksgiving, the number of teams well, who well, make no, it I'd in. I'd like to say it because I get points for it. <laughs> All right. Yes. All right. Since the year 2000, uh, when the NHL expanded to 30 teams, 78% of the teams that were in the playoff picture on Thanksgiving Day remain in the playoff picture the rest of the season. So they are firmly in the playoffs. Now, there are a bunch of teams on the outside looking in with very close points. And every year you hear that stat and you think, oh, it's not going to hold this true, hold true this year. And every year it does hold true. Yeah. It, and the three-point game makes it real hard to get back into a race. And the updated I'll, I'll number, go, guys, is 77.3%, and that's just going back since the last lockout. Well, you guys are using that. You can just say 13 of 16 teams 
and four, 13, 14, and 14, 15 made playoffs. 12 of 16 and 15, 16, and 16, 17, 13 of 16 teams. Even go further if you want to go in the Western Conference. Seven of the eight teams in the last four years have made it from the Western Conference. Yeah. It's very hard to make up ground later in the year. You know, it, it just, the the points they're able to put away now, and it, and if you do it, if you if you are one of those rare teams, Shane, to get in, you know, one of those. You know, three of 16 that made it. You know, you're one of those three. I remember a few years ago, the Ottawa Senators went on an unbelievable 30-game run. The Flyers went on a great run to get, you know, but that's that's rare. So I I think even more to their credit, like the ability, I've got to be honest with you, I think a lot of people kind of thought, especially when they get off to the 8-1 and start, you know, I, I think it had to be floating around somewhere in people's heads. All right, yeah, this is nice, but are they going to be able to kind of keep this up? Well, yeah. they came back a little bit. You know, the one win There's on the road be trip. Bumps. There's going to be bumps in the road. But look they, who's, look but who's, yeah. By and large, they've they've stayed with it. Look who's out today: San Jose, Dallas, Minnesota, and Edmonton, and Colorado, and. Uh, and Vancouver and Arizona, no surprise that, that they're out. Although Colorado did start well. But San Jose, no one expected them to be out. Minnesota, people talked about that, this being a big year for them. Edmonton. Oh, boy. There's, like, that's, you know, that, that, that's, that's a big problem. They're, they're despite, still in, despite they only the have 16 points. Over the I don't Knights, think they're getting in. The interesting thing to me, and, and this is something that developed right away, and we've heard it, and Gary can attest to this, being with the Winnipeg Jets, over the last years, they kept saying, what's the identity? Well, we're gonna we're building our identity. Even Ken Hitchcock this year said as Dallas Stars, he likes the way his team's going. They seem, the thing with the Golden Knights, and we've heard this from other teams, right from pretty much three, four, five games in, they had an identity. They compete, they work hard, they're structured, and they play fast. That's it. We've heard that from just about every opposing coach. The question, and Gary, you ask it a lot of times, what do you expect from the Vegas Golden Knight? And it's pretty much been identical, the response from the opposition coach every time. Their identity has been set quicker than a lot of teams that have been working together. That's really been a remarkable thing. Well, you look at some of the teams they've beaten, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Los Angeles. I'll throw Chicago into that mix. Um, Teams that you expect to, to be there at the end in the West, but... Fantastic at home, longest home winning streak in the league this year. They've outscored their opponents now on home ice, thirty nine to twenty one, going eight and one at T Mobile. Of course, uh, Black Friday game coming up against San Jose, but uh, before that, uh, game in Anaheim as well. So, Wild Bill Carlson, nine goals already this year, five goals in his last four games. They've done it with a variety of players contributing. I think it's seven players now with at least five goals, which is tied for the most in the league. But I know you had a chance to spend a little. Little time with William Carlson the other day, Gary. What what do you attribute this um, nine goals already ties his career high, and they haven't even hit the twenty game mark this year? What's what do you see? Any- Shane, Shane tipped me off to this before this yeah. even even started. Uh, first of all, he's on pace for thirty nine goals and 65, uh, 65 points, which is uh, he's he's at, he's tied his career high already at nine yeah. goals. Um, twenty five is his career high in assists, so he's become the number one center. He's not on the number one line. Eric Halla is, but William Carlson is the best center with the Vegas Golden Knights right now. And Shane said, you know, we watched him play Columbus, and he's a 25-point guy. And he's skating backwards all night because he's on the third or fourth line for John Tortorella, and that's what you do. You're never pushing forward. Well, then Gerard Gallant brings him here, and it's a different set, but then he gets the opportunity. And Shane said, 
He'd seen him at the World Championships, and when he was paired with skilled players, he produced. And so now you put him with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault, and the opportunity allows him to flourish. Lucas Pisa and William Carlson were tied for my... uh, um, my my new surroundings award of the year, like a guy who was put into a new situation, like the whole team was, and which guy flourished the best. And Spiza really kind of you know came out of, out of a, a dark place in Vancouver to have become the most important defenseman for Gerard Gallant, and then Carlson. Spiza's hurt now. Carlson has kind of surged ahead. He's been uh, fantastic. He's a restricted free agent at the end of the season. He's making a million dollars a year right now. <laughs> So he is uh, among the bargains. This is a great line. Someone said to Jonathan Marsh's show the other day, you know, you're the you're the best bargain in the NHL. Not for long, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> so William Carlson probably in line for yeah, a race. And and Marchessault's deal is seven hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. Even yeah. less than Carlson. Yeah. Million a year. I just do have a money. <laughs> <laughs> well, for him to host this or be behind, I don't know if it's enough. He needs uh, <laughs> he needs a bump. Well, that and, and it's Bill so, Foley's going to be here. Somebody want to put a good true. word in? <laughs> and, and, sure. And, and it all comes to opportunity when I think of Carlson, and and every guy can show what they can do, or in previous places, or you know, show offensive flashes, but to actually get the opportunity and then make do with it, and that's what he's been able to do. You know, minutes he's been up up to playing. You know, seventeen fifty six, second in ice time to Riley Smith as forwards. Um, that additional ice time is great, but you've got to do something with it, and he has. And I think the move to center, which is unique because you started the year on the wing, and typically that gives a forward more opportunity to be offensive because there's less responsibility than being in the middle. Uh, you know, you look right now, I think two of the three leading goal scorers, either in John Tavares are wingers. That's typically going to give you more opportunity. You can find holes. You, you don't need to be kind of that... Uh, defensively conscious as the other guys um, as the centerman, but he, for some reason, has been able to go back there. I think it's it's a sense he feels comfortable playing up the middle of the ice. He's got some good guys playing with him and Smith and Marshall. Uh, it has certainly been a good fit and a tremendous start for this guy. Uh, he has skills. He, he's still so good on both sides of the puck, but it's a he's feeling it right now. He really is. And taking that opportunity, making the most of it, he's getting the situations. He's playing special teams. Uh, You mentioned he's probably the number one center right now when you look at the points production per game. Uh, No points in his first four games, but he's certainly turned it on since then in the last 15. Uh, It's been a really good year for him. It's just a matter of keeping pace. And and the thing, just like the rest of the team, how do they handle those downtimes? When when it starts to go in the slump, that for a young player will be the next kind of you know if you want if you got a list of things you want to tick off, how's he going to handle a bit of a slump and come back from there? Because when you're feeling it, it's easy. They don't have a player in the top fifty in the NHL in scoring, and yet they lead the West in goals per game on average. So in terms of whether it's been Carlson, you know, with increased output or other players that have, it largely has been by committee that they've done it offensively. Um, speaking of opportunity, Max Legacy. Who had Max Legacy in the pool before the season that would have played the most out of the first 20 games of the year? He went from backup in Chicago in the AHL to now he's played more games than anybody for the Golden Knights. Um, and they have talked about needing him to do it. I mean, they've, you know, the Dylan Ferguson coming in and becoming the fifth different goaltender is just insane what they've gone through from a goalie standpoint. But Legacy's ability. 
to continue to give them a chance to win games here has been... And now Malcolm Subban kind of waiting that, in the wings. So that's, against the awesome. real, that's the real interesting thing for me now. Yeah. Yes. Legacy knows that Subban is waiting. And, yeah. and the minute he gives the ball back to Subban, he's probably staying there for a while. So it, he is playing for each start and for basically... His last two have probably been his best. Yes, and now he's playing for... So he's going to get... I would assume he'll get the start in Anaheim because he won. And if he wins in Anaheim, I'll assume he gets the start at home against San Jose. Now, if he beats San Jose and they've got Arizona the very next night in Arizona, he may lose the net because of the back-to-back situation. But, you know, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but that's got to be his mindset. Win, 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 and I stay in. I don't think he ever saw this coming, and a credit to him. He has gotten better as it's gone along. And maybe that internal push of Subban coming back, and that, and that goes back to the internal competition you talk about. That that helps give you a healthy organization to have that little bit of push, and, and guys are motivated on a daily basis knowing, you know what, I want to keep this job. Uh, the interesting thing about all this, and this is no disrespect to the goaltenders or anything, I, I was thinking about this when we were topics and, and the goaltending here, and I'm going to throw this to you guys. How important is a big goaltender? Let's look at the Montreal Canadiens. Let's look at what Dallas signing Ben Bishop. Let's look at the Winnipeg Jets who went and got Steve Mason who hasn't panned out there. Is it better to have two goalies that can play with a real good system in front or do you need, do you absolutely need that big guy now? I don't know if it's that important. Physically big or big name? Just big name, big number yeah. one. Well, I'll give you this is one too, Is a big too, number Sheriff. one goalie as pertinent now as we, we maybe, well, or is it? Matt Murray's won the last two Stanley Cups yeah. in Pittsburgh. Yeah. But we I was got thinking without exactly Marc-Andre that. Fleury. Yeah. And no, how well yeah, did Fleury play? System. Tell, right. That's why when, when the Montreal Canadiens threw... Ten million a year at Carey Price. You had to wonder because I, that's I, the contract going to hamstring them in terms of the cap for a long time. To me, this is more about team. Starting to see the way a team can play. Does it matter? You know, as long as you have a goaltender in there hey. that can make make this. The best way I've heard is he needs to make the saves he's supposed to and come up with one or two more. I'll go one step farther. You, you look at the Vegas Golden Knights has an entire roster. They don't have an eight, nine, ten million dollar player. No. And and look what they're doing. And when you get to the playoffs, that one guy is a it become it becomes more of a team game at that point in time than ever when power plays are less important. Like Ovechkin, that's the you know he's great in the regular season when he can set up on the power play and stack up all those power play points. The power plays get taken away in the playoffs, and the Washington Capitals never win. Some of the guys, just real quick on that, Vasilevsky obviously leads the league in wins, but you know this is really his first year, right, as a number one. Um, Bobrovsky, I know, is going to Vezina to his credit. Frederick Anderson, right? Like you, I, I don't think of him as an upper echelon no. guy. Um, Matt Murray, Jake Allen. Those are your top, I mean, there's a bunch of guys tied at 11 wins, but to your point, I think you're right. Like, the day, who, who's who's the highest paid goal in the game? Is it Price? Price. Price. Well, his, and then his deal doesn't kick in until next year, but... Yeah, Lundquist is up there, Tuka yeah. Rask is up there, among others, right? Bishop, what did Bishop do? Bishop. Yeah, I, you know, 
I think it's a great point. You wonder now as, as teams look ahead and, you know, with the cap, I don't know where the cap's going, but, you know, is it worth putting eight, nine, ten million a year in the goalie? And then you wonder regular season versus postseason. And you've seen it at times in a regular campaign, you might have a back and forth to an extent. And then in the postseason, if one guy takes the reins and runs with it, that's probably what most teams would prefer. You're not seeing back to back games like you might in the regular season. But then we just talked about the Penguins and how they did do it. With two goalies. Now, it wasn't necessarily by design, no. but they still managed to do it. I wonder how that, uh, you know, when, when Marty Brodeur goes pretty much coast to coast and th- those kinds of goalies, how much that is going to happen. I don't think those days are there anymore. I think you need a two goalie system. You can go back to the Penguins two years ago. Maybe Flurry wasn't playoff, but certainly to get him there. Right and, and maybe that saved Matt Murray. So I think it's a day in which you, you need two good goaltenders, good goaltenders. Or in the case of the Vegas Golden Knights, five. (laughs) (laughs) But now, but you see, and and you wonder with the way that they approach this going into the season to to claim Subban, to trade Pickard, the thought would have been those would be the two guys in Flurry and Subban. But now, with the extended look for Legacy and even for Dansk, I thought Oscar Dansk was far more mature and poised than I would have expected having seen him in the American League. Those two now in the conversation, the only thing that would separate them from Subban would be the uh, the waivers that they would have to that Subban right. would have to go through to go back to the American League. How that shakes out, if at some point you have healthy goalies more than just one or two. Well, thankfully, it's it's worked out for the Golden Knights because you know you got to think it had a lot of people, myself included, had this could have this could be bad news when Flurry got hurt as early as he did, and it's been five six weeks now, so. They've been able to more than keep their heads. And that was their last home loss against right. Detroit. Detroit, yeah, more than keep their heads above water. So, hey, got a quick mention here. Um, check out Home Team uh, on face the Home Team Facebook show. Um, so Jonathan Marcheseau and David Perron have really kind of, they've struck up a friendship here. They didn't really know each other um, before they came here to the Golden Knights. Um, so Home Team was with the team throughout training camp. And um, the show was on Facebook, and I guess... Um, I guess Marcy Joe's like a pretty good cook. You know, he had Perron <laughs> over, fire up a steak for him. But, um, you know, it's something, Shane, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit. This was new to everybody coming here to Vegas, so it's a little different scenario. But you can kind of feel the camaraderie, and I'm sure you've been on teams where there's a there's a tightness there that's, I'm sure it probably isn't there every year, but it feels like it's there with this group anyways. It certainly does, and that's the interesting to watch these guys interact and you know, I'm not in that room every day with those guys behind the scenes, but you can see it from the outside. Uh, and it reminds me, uh, 07, 08, I was traded from Anaheim to Boston, right beginning of the new year of 08, January. And Boston was horrible. Dave, you probably remember the prior two seasons yeah. out of playoffs. Uh, and there was a the group of guys I went into that year. There was something special I could see forming with that team. It was instant chemistry throughout and there was an accountability that you know certainly the coach has it but it was within that room that you didn't want to let the guy down beside you and and you could go for dinner hang out do whatever with whatever guy there wasn't you know certainly you had guys there's certain little groups but overall it was one big group you could go from group to group or individual there was it was a a bond between those guys and and seeing it formed and it certainly to me was kind of the prelude into what happened in 2011 when they won three years later. I think having that chemistry certainly builds a team in the right way, that accountability in the room, that guys recognize what they need to do. We had to work so hard. We climbed into the playoffs in eight spot, 
played the Montreal Canadiens, took them to seven games. It wasn't a win, but it was certainly the turnaround for that organization that had struggled the prior seasons. And I think a big part of it had to do with how close we were. It was a close-knit group. And anytime you hear of a championship team, they'll say it was the best group of guys I ever played with. And I don't think that's yeah. just a saying. There, there, there's something to that. To win a championship, there has to be a special connection in that room. Uh, and in Boston, and this is my only experience, certainly saw that start to form in that 07-08 season. That was Claude Julien took over. Uh, it, it really built from there, and I think that led to them in 2011 winning the Cup and then going back two years later because of that core of guys. And anybody who came in, the expectations didn't change. And I think here with the Golden Knights, they've been able to build this right from the start. And I think anybody who comes in, they're going to know right away what's expected of them, and they're going to find that, you know what, this is a fun group to be around because everybody's willing to stand up for one another, do it, go out and play the right way. Well, be sure to check it out, the home team show on uh, Facebook, uh, and this kind of this uh, the current episode is kind of getting into the, the relationship between Jonathan Marchessault and David Perron. The Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave Podcast, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva. Hashtag SLGNJR podcast coming to you from our studios in Vegas. And a reminder for you, Golden Knights fans, do not fight for a parking space when you head to a game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app and score your perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit www.lasvegasparkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com. So, our podcast coming to you from Vegas. We take a look around the NHL now. And, um, you know, so we're almost, well, not quite 20 games into the season. You touched on this earlier, uh, Lawman. When you look at the Western Conference and just some of the teams that, uh, I don't know, that you, you, you raises your eyebrows, maybe is a good way to put it, of teams that you looked at and thought, all right, this team's going to be, you know, in the mix and they're going to have a strong season. You mentioned, you know, Minnesota, Edmonton got back in the playoffs last year, but um, it's been kind of your thoughts here as you've looked at the West and how do you size it up with Vegas, LA missed the playoffs last year. There's other teams that have had real strong starts so far. Well, LA, obviously we just saw them and, uh, you know, despite the outcome, there was, you know, Jonathan Quick had an off night, uh, but, there's lots to like about that team. They're playing, uh, you know, different hockey underneath uh, under underneath John Stevens. They seem revitalized. The St. Louis Blues, though, and the Winnipeg Jets, I think, are the early stories in the Western Conference. The Blues, um, you know, they have 31 points. They're leading leading the West by you know pretty good margin, four points over the Jets. Uh, I love their blue line, Pareko. Edmondson, Boomeister is back, and Petter Angelo for me is having a, a Norris type season. But the trade of the last five years, Yuri Laterra for Braid and Shen. Wow. Shen is absolutely yeah. on fire. It's interesting that Kelly McCrimmon uh, had him in, uh, in uh, knew him very well in the Western League. And always thought, I talked to him about this last week, he always thought if an organization would give him a chance to play center, he had good seasons in Philly, 50, 60 points, you know, signed a pretty nice contract. But now he's playing center with, he's got Tarasenko uh, on his on his line. He is showing what he can do uh, as a 200-foot player. And you know, 
it's great to to be good defensively. If you want to play on a top line of the NHL, you have to produce. And so much of his offense right now is on is in five on five, not on the power play. Uh, it's been. Uh, it, it's been re, 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 revelatory what he's been able to accomplish. Uh, I love the Blues, and the Jets, to me, are scary right now. Um, Connor Hellebuck has stepped up in goal, but th- th- they've got something going on right now when you've got Shifley, Wheeler, uh, Line, Ehlers. They lose... Toby Enstrom for six to eight weeks. That's normally could be, you know, really damaging for a team. They're able to recall Tucker Pullman. Jack Roslovic is the best young player in the American Hockey League right now. They they don't have room for him in their lineup, but if they run into an injury, they're able to recall a player like that. Uh, the, the Blues and Winnipeg, pretty scary teams in the West. When I look at the way, and he mentioned the Blues, it's interesting. I was looking at the, at the scoring leaders, and sure enough, there's Braden Shen tied with his teammate Schwartz for fourth in scoring, 26 points for both those guys. So certainly the Blues, uh, Mike Yo's done a really good job after taking over from Hitchcock. Uh, Winnipeg, yeah, dynamic, but let's not count. They lost last night. Nashville Predators are coming on. The yep. thing about Nashville, and I'm going to say this about a few teams, they're doing this without, well, everybody says Roman Yossi. Ryan Ellis might be their best defenseman. Uh, he's certainly in the consideration with the OC, and they've done this without him. And, and that's what makes some of these teams scary. We mentioned the LA Kings. Well, who are they playing without? Let's see what happens when Jeff Carter right. comes back. Uh, Anaheim, well, they're missing pretty much everyone. So uh, there's some teams that have significant injuries, and how can they maintain before these guys come back? Getzlaff, Kessler, uh, you can go on and on with the with the Ducks. Fowler just came Fowler back. Fowler just came back. Uh, so, you know, the Ducks are going to start to build a little bit of confidence. Uh, the Dallas Stars just don't look like me to me. Like, everybody thought they were early favorites. I don't know if they can pull it together in time. Uh, but there's certainly some scary teams. When you mentioned you know, the Minnesota Wild, can they get back on? The Oilers, rumor is Shirelli's trying to stir some things up there. Um, but, yeah, the Blues and then those teams that are going to get healthy, those are the ones that uh, certainly I, I would watch out for. Teams that are in this right now, long way to go, obviously, but teams that were missed the playoffs last year that are in a playoff spot right now, Winnipeg, Los Angeles, Calgary. Calgary missed last year? Did I screw that up? I guess I'll find out later, Dan. <laughs> I don't <laughs> start scribbling away here. <laughs> Vegas uh, obviously was not in the playoffs last year. But to your point, you know, we saw Dallas in the season opener, and all the talk was, you know, some of the moves they made in the offseason, adding Hansel, adding Radulov, right? And Well, yeah. last year it was goaltending. They right. get a goaltender, and it's yep. still they can't defend. It's keeping the puck out of their net. still the issue. Minnesota, um, you know, a little ways to go. Uh, Edmonton can't score. With the, you, know, you wouldn't know that if you saw the game against, <laughs> against Vegas, but by and large they've been able to – they haven't been able to score this year. So, yeah, teams in the West that, you know, and as we say, it's we're just about at Thanksgiving, but – uh, pretty interesting when you look at it and some teams that you thought were, I don't know if you thought they were shoe-ins, but uh, teams you figure would be comfortable in a playoff spot, not the case uh, Not the case right now. Dan Duva, this is going to lead us into, um, you ready over there? The quiz. I thought you dozed off behind the board. Again. No. So are you ready for the quiz? I'm ready. Are yeah. you ready? Are you guys well, find ready? Out. I, I seem to not do well in these contests. 
No? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't won. I haven't won a damn thing yet. We've been doing these for uh, a couple of months or so, month and a half. Always bring up the well, second, solid second. Well, then perhaps uh, today's your day, All Dave right. Gosher. You've you've got to prove it, though. You you want to lead off here with the quiz? Uh, whatever you, yeah, whatever you. All like. right. That's okay. Fine. So so we've got a few questions, and as we we reach the Thanksgiving holiday, we will uh, get to something related to being thankful in a moment. But first, there are some big trophies that the league hands out at the end of the season. Let's look at this from a Golden Knights perspective, and we'll examine a few of the key trophies. The Hart, the Norris, the Selkie, and who is the Golden Knights candidate? First, for the Hart Trophy, and for point of reference, that's the most valuable player. Last year was Connor McDavid for the Stanley, uh, for, the, uh, for the National Hockey League. But who would be the Hart candidate from the Golden Knights? I would go with Riley Smith. I, I just think he's a guy, Dan, that um, he... If you look, he plays in every important situation, right? He's on the power plays on one of the top two lines. He kills penalties. He's elusive. I don't think of him, and I could be wrong on this, I don't think of him as a fast player, but he's quick. Like, he's elusive. He's slippery. He's hard to, you know, he's hard to, I, I would think, Shane, I mean, you're you're the defenseman in the group. I, I think he's hard, to, probably hard to line up, hard to hit. Like, he's, I, I just think... If you pulled him out of that mix, you know, he, he his ability to play in all situations, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's not the top scorer on the team. He's among the top two or three. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just talking about the value he brings to that team in all different situations. Yeah, let me add to that. Just look at the two goals that William Carlson scored yeah. the other day. Yep. And as much as we talked about Carlson earlier, neither one of those goals happened, if not for Riley Smith. And he gets a couple of assists, dutifully so. But, it's that, I mean, Jonathan Quick had no idea that Riley Smith was anywhere no. near him and then gives the puck away. And then Carlson with that nifty skate maneuver to himself in front of the vacated net. I, I think that's a well-formulated All right, argument, Dave go. Gosher. All right, champion. Junior All right. Champion. Well, <laughs> I, I agree. He's very loose. He has the ability to spin out, but I'm not going to go with him. I okay. have to go with William Carlson. All right. Because we're talking about now. And, you know, earlier mm-hmm. we mentioned Riley Smith's been the best player. And, yes, the yeah. first four games, no points. For William Carlson, but in the last 15 games, he's put up nine goals and 16 points. You mentioned you got to play in every position. Well, who's leading him in shorthanded goals? William Carlson mm-hmm. with a pair. He's got a power play goal. Uh, he's got four power play points uh, on a power play that's been up and down. Uh, he's playing a tougher position up the middle. Uh, more responsibility. Being He still has the ability to be on the right side of the puck. And I think that's kind of getting overlooked, how good he's been defensively, uh, especially in his own end. He, he has a real good defensive stick. Uh, he's good at being, you know, underneath the wingers on the breakouts. Uh, he, he's just on the right side of the I can say that about all their centermen because I think they've, that's where they really, really thrive. They say it's, it's easier for a guy go center to wing. I think for William Carlson, it's the opposite. He went from wing to center, and it was easier for him because – he thinks the game really well. Uh, high hockey IQ throughout this team. But uh, to me, William Carlson, just what, he, what he's been able to do the last 15 games, uh, I have him right now as the heart of uh, the VGK. Uh, all good choices. I'm going to go with James Neal. And I'm going to go with James because obviously he has a big impact in the in the first two games of the season where he you know scores the winning goals, creates all that. But against... Vancouver the other night. That game was in the balance. He came out and he he goes down low, forces a turnover with a big check, 
feeds the puck out to Perron, who then slides it to Halla, who gets the winner. And he's playing with, he lost all those teeth. He's been drinking, uh, living on uh, Nutra shakes for about a month, won't come out of the lineup. He's been a leader with this group. He's a guy that, you know, I, I think this opportunity for James Neal, we talked about the opportunity for Carlson. Someone gave James Neal the opportunity to be a leader with this group, and he's really taken it upon himself, and he's grown as a player. I've been a big fan of what he's done. I, I know he's not the best defensive player in the National Hockey League, but we haven't seen a ton of that. There have been a couple of nights where he's taken a penalty that you didn't love, but for the most part, he's been uh, he's led with effort, and, and the guy can really finish, and to me, that's a pretty good quality. Okay, so for the heart, Gosher says Riley Smith, Knighty says Carlson, Lawless says James Neal. Any quick thoughts on, it's interesting how we track over the course of the season, James Neal the first few games, Riley Smith the next few, William Carlson the last few. I think the exciting trend here, guys, there could be someone else to emerge. And it's 20 games into the season. You could throw three other names easily. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I I think that's what's really interesting, and that's a defining characteristic of the team. Yeah, we didn't mention Lucas Pisa, right? You know what I mean? Like, he's he's injured now, but boy, uh, Gerard Gallant was really relying on him to do a lot of big things back there on the blue line. So, yeah. Yeah, And and with that, we'll turn to to the Norris Trophy and, uh, you know, just look at recent winners. Brent Burns uh, last year, Drew Doughty before that, Eric Carlson. So, uh, for the, the Norris the top defenseman, guys. Where uh, where do you think the Golden Knights have a Norris candidate on their roster? I, I think Nate Schmidt's been dynamite for them. I really do. You know, it's funny. He, um, if you looked at it, Dan, the first game of the season, he played the least amount of ice uh, minutes of any defenseman for the Golden Knights in that game. He played, I think, fifteen minutes in Dallas, and I don't think he was very happy about it, to be honest with you, because I, I think he looked at it and said, well, "Wait a minute, they took me to be." You know, a top-tier defenseman. Right, yep. And here I am playing 15 minutes. With, what's going on? And since then, and I don't have it in front of me, but I, I remember saying this uh, maybe a week, week or two ago during one of the games, he has led the team in ice time on the on the back end, I think, every game since then. So, again, somebody that you wanted him to play in all situations, power play, kill penalties, top pair with Spiza. Um, I, I like, a, you know, his ability to skate the puck, his ability to move the puck. Um, the way the game has trended now for the last few years, you need guys of that ilk in your on your on your defense core. I think he's been I think he's been excellent for them. I'm going to go kind of weird on this, and I'm going to go with Ryan McGill, who runs the defense for the Vegas okay. Golden Knights. He, he can't win the yeah. award. Well, though. he's uh, so I'm going to give it to a whole. <laughs> well, I give him the heart to Gerard. I'm then. Giving, uh, <laughs> there's a Jack what is Adams. This? I'm going to give it's the whole group, and McGill has has found a way to. He's got the right pairings. There was a while, a while there, like Hunt and Miller have really fit together nicely. Theodore was a question. Where is he going to go? They got him with with Derek England. That's been a really good pairing. And Schmidt and McNabb have worked really well as well. And McNabb is like another coach out there. I was watching there the other night, and Shane, you can speak to this. The way he was, he he, he points. It was really loud in the building, and you couldn't. Uh, you, you couldn't hear, but so they're trying to communicate on the ice, and it's so important. And McNabb, he was all the teams pointing all night long, and it was like he was you know coaching out there. I just like the whole group. I think that the the sum is greater than the parts. So uh, and McGill's part of the group, so I give it to all of them. Yeah, and I'll just add to that, Gary, and in, in communication and crediting. You know, and the coaching staff up and down, but McGill in particular, because when asked 
Colin Miller and Brad Hunt about why they are so good together. You were in the room, Gary, when I asked Brad Hunt about this. It's the communication. It's that they both are not thinking, oh, I'm going to trust the other. They're talking regularly, and that has to be a trickle-down, right, from the coaching staff and Coach McGill in particular. All right, um, that's very much outside the box. I'm not well, sure I he's the question was who's but, the, like, uh, are we going to answer the question or, yeah. or is this something else? It's a, it's the question was point. who's the Norris candidate. We're not yeah. talking about coaches. Ryan McGill doesn't That's play a player team. question. He's not a player. Gary's it's outside the box. He's, he's outside the door. Um, <laughs> he's out of the building. <laughs> All right, we'll the take that into consideration. He's just mad that I didn't mention him in the group. It's very simple. Who's the best defenseman right now in the Vegas Golden Knights? That's with the Norris, right? It wasn't... Yep. I don't know where Ryan and Ryan McGill has done a great job. I'm not taking anything away, but I'm going to answer the question. I had agree with what Ghosh said. <laughs> Nate Schmidt, but we're looking at a game. This is a guy who is used sparingly in Washington. We're looking at a game now that is trended towards, uh, and it's important. You have to be able to skate now as a defenseman, you have to mm-hmm. be mobile. Nate Schmidt. Not only has been that, and he's not a big, physical, strong guy, but he skates so well. And I think people don't recognize how good his defensive stick, the ability to get his stick on the puck along the wall, because he's not going to, you know, use his strength to overpower anybody defensively, but he has a great stick and an ability. And let's also tack onto that. He's only got two penalties, two penalties this year. He's, he's averaging 2208. That's the most on the team. He's plus six. You can take plus or minus however you want. He's leading the team averaging around 27 shifts per game. That's only three shifts behind Ristolainen, who's averaging 30, who's leading the league. So he's on the ice. He's against the other team's top players. That's something new for him. He's made all the right adjustments this year to be not only, well, by numbers, their number one defenseman. He hasn't taken penalties doing it. He's got a great stick and his ability to skate, not only defensively, but he really activates into the rush at the right time. He knows when to bring that second wave of attack to alleviate pressure for that breakout where he comes underneath the play or else he can skate it right out of trouble. I, I have been extremely impressed with what Nate Schmidt has done this year. Uh, he, he blew my expectations away. That's why I give him the Norris for the VGK. Let me add two things to that. Number one, you see his two different partners. First, Spiza and Gary had mentioned early when we talked about the possible heart candidates and how Spiza was... Uh, what was your your term, Gary? The uh, the the new surroundings award, yeah, right. Yeah. And so you wonder how much of that success for Spiza was because he was with Nate Schmidt, or vice versa, or maybe. But but since we're talking about Nate Schmidt, secondly, his growth. And I remember talking with somebody actually just yesterday on a, a Washington Capitals radio program about Nate Schmidt. They're curious about his development, and they know the upward trajectory for him. And I think that you see not only from that first game that Dave mentioned in Dallas, but even as they've gone along and there's still even more potential for him. So uh, good arguments, guys. Interesting stuff. All right. One more, the Selkie, and that's the player all around who shows the defensive prowess. Um, you can uh, look at uh, last year, Patrice Bergeron. Before that, uh, Kopitar with the Kings. Bergeron's won it uh, a few times. Dave Gosher got to see him there in Boston. So, uh, Dave, let's start with you. Who do you think is the Golden Knights Selkie candidate? Uh, I've loved William Carlson's game. You know, and I know Shane kind of talked. He kind of broke down a lot of it, but just his ability um, – the the ability to score has been one thing for him, but his ability to play at both ends of the rink and be responsible um, 
you know, as Shane said, the amount of what centers have to do now, especially defensively in the NHL and be responsible for coverage in the defensive zone. And um, it doesn't seem like he gets himself in the wrong spots a lot out there, which I, I, he's reliable. And I, you know, you combine that with what he's been able to do at the other end of the ice. I, to me, anyways, he's the Selkie. Pierre-Edouard Belmar. They have put him in uh, all kinds of, he has more defensive zone starts than any other center on the team. And that, to me, that tells you everything about him. He's, uh, they use him on the PK uh, late in games when they, uh, uh, when they need to, the other night they took, Leipzig and sat him down and put Belmar on that line, double shifted him to help out in that situation. There's a reason he got the day off yesterday. He blocks all kinds of shots. It's uh, Belmar has been uh, to me uh, uh, just been fantastic, and he's chipped in with a little bit of offense as well. But I've loved his game. Well, I want to congratulate the guys. I was hoping they'd pick a winger. Uh, I agree. I like Belmar. Um, I'm going to go with Eric Howell. I'm just going to, we could go right down the middle of this team. I think they've Fair all enough. got real good. Yep. I think Eric Howell has been put in a position now in that top line. He's seen the other team checking line playing with Perron and Neal. So he's playing, he's got, he's up against Kopitar. I think you can look at Minnesota last year. They got Martin Hansel. I think that hurt their team because it pushed Howla down the lineup. Howla was a key part of speed on that team. Um, and I wanted to throw this at you guys because I did. I was hoping he picked a winger. The last 13 years, it's been a centerman for the Selkie. In the last 25, it's been only three times it's been a winger, but it's been the same guy. For bonus points, I'm throwing this out, Dave. If these guys can mention who that guy was. I know. I know the answer, so I, yeah. Should we say now or? Go ahead. There's only one winger Bob in the last Gainey? 25 years. Nope. Maybe no. That's no points. The last 25 years, only been one winger to win oh, the Selkie. Oh, yeah. Told and he won it three times. Because he's won it four times. Yeah, but, he was, yeah. but you're saying the last 25 yeah. years he wasn't playing then? Is that what you're telling me? Do you know who it is, Doof? I do. Oh, well, you get points for So yourself. I just got negative points when we, yeah, when you we just tally got up the stars later. Today you're, trying, you're doing so well. Oh, right. <laughs> you, want, you want a hint? He was a, he was a Dallas star. Dallas star. Dallas oh, Star. There, there you go. go. Dallas Star. So, I, so quick, I might even par we got to move on, but a quick right here. One bogey, one bogey. Cody Eakin had ACL surgery last year yeah, and kind of just destroyed his year. It takes about a year to catch up, and you saw the way he was on Sunday, Shane. That was, that was the, the first time he had his explosion well, and his pop yeah. back. Watch him as the season and goes Vancouver on. And Vancouver, too. I think the yeah. last two games. I think Cody Eakin is going to be... Where we have this discussion at the half and the three-quarter, we're going to talk about Cody Eakin. And going into the season, without seeing any games, you might have picked him coming into the year. It's interesting that we each talked about a different center. Right? I, that just goes to show the yeah. depth on the team. All right, last thing in the quiz, guys. What should Golden Knights fans be most thankful for here around Thanksgiving time? They should be thankful, Dan, for a team that plays with just incredible emotion and energy every night, I think. Yeah. Uh, that, <laughs> you know, Shane talked about how hard they play and how hard they compete. And we've seen it. You know, they played at this point in 18, 19 games, whatever it might be. And they you know, take. Let, let's have the Edmonton game be the outlier of this because obviously it was. Most of the other games, they've they've had chances to win. Maybe the Detroit game got away from them a little bit. Rangers game, Islanders game got away with some penalties. But how hard they play every night, and we see it, you know, every game, but especially at home, where that building, you know, they had the largest crowd, eighteen thousand two hundred eleven, in the game on Sunday, largest crowd of the year. Um, to be able to watch that team play with that emotion and energy, I think, is something to be real thankful yeah, for. We had a meeting yesterday where uh, the entire staff got together and the team president, Kerry Buboltz, went over um, a, a whole bunch of things. But the culture of the Vegas Golden Knights as an organization and the people that populate that organization, when when you can respond to, to 1 October the way this organization did in less than a week 
Um, it's because of uh, the culture that's there, the people that are there. To me, that's the most impressive thing about this organization. It's uh, it's the people that are selling tickets, the people that are on the entertainment side, the people that are hockey ops. It's there's a way of doing things here, uh, and it's it's a team. I don't like to use the word family because family is really only family, but it's got that atmosphere about it, and that reflects in everything that the Vegas Golden Knights do, and that, to me, is something that people in Vegas should be thankful for. Well, you just got a raise. Uh, um, <laughs> yourself in for a couple extra vacation days with Pitt. No, uh, yeah, all those are very true, and and I'm going to be, just as the player in me, I think they should be thankful for the hockey players, the athletes. I think, and I'm biased, you look at any pro sport, they're the best athletes there. They're the most personable, most approachable. Uh, the way they've embraced this community, the way they were out after that tragedy, the way they just saw them visiting cancer, kid children's cancer patients. Hockey players are willing to reach out and really connect with the community. And I think the fans are certainly seeing that. And, and that goes a long way. So, you know, I take my hat off to the, you know, everything we said is great. But to the players, I think they've really embraced here being part of this team. And it uh, goes part to the culture. But the athletes, absolutely, what they've done on and off the ice. I'll tie that all together. And this is a long-term view on things because the Golden Knights fans, as much as they'll fall in love with the players on this year's team and players who will be around for the next several years, a lot of the Golden Knights fans are youngsters, kids who are just getting into the game. And you can have faith in this organization. Gary brought up the people. The example that has been set in terms of not only who's in charge, but who is being hired, and then the decision-making. We know George McPhee at the top of the list, but you can go down through the entire scouting department, and you know that there's a certain confidence in everybody in the organization to make decisions. So that ensures a long-term success. And I think that that ties in what, what each of you guys brought up. And there's that mentality about working hard and the energy, the emotion that Dave brought up. And uh, Gary, you, you brought up the people. And, and Shane, you, you said it about the players. You can certainly be proud of it. And and credit to George McPhee for finding not just talented players, but guys who have that high fiber, as he has so often talked about. Well, that's a quiz for this week. Thanks, Dan, for uh, hosting it, as always. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND, coming to you from our studios in Vegas. And our guest of the day is brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Uh, Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available right now. For more information, visit rockcreekcattlecompany.com. The gentleman that's our guest of the day should know a little bit something about Rock Creek Cattle Company. He is the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, Bill Foley. Bill, great to have you with us. I'm not sure how you get roped into this, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, and I'm assuming this is not against your will. If it is, you could leave <laughs> leave, leave at any moment. Here's, here's my first question for you. I there are three we, of the five of us in this room. 
<laughs> that have not been invited to Rock Creek Comp- uh, Rock Creek Cattle Company. Why? I wasn't invited. Why, I was told I had to why go. Why is that? Because we'd like to, Shane and I and, and Dooves would like to go. Well, I don't think you were hired when it was open. <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid. But I've enough. been here a couple of months. Well, I'd like also, to go. I played golf with you, and uh, you know, we really, know we really don't allow sandbaggers. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to have an honest handicap. That's right. Not a not a twelve that uh, plays like a two. Yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, that was dumb luck. Hey, um, thanks for stopping in here. We really appreciate it. Um, I guess I, I just want to get your assessment of of what you've witnessed here over the first roughly 20 games of the season. Uh, I, I can't imagine in your wildest dreams you would have ever thought this team would be, especially this awesome at home, but just overall in the community and the impact they've made already here uh, you know, throughout Vegas and beyond. Well, you know, George and his staff worked very hard during the expansion process, and we went through five mock drafts, two and a half days each. Um, by the time we got to the final, uh, final list, the unprotected list, we knew what every team was going to leave available to us, and George had already made eight deals prior to that. So we had draft picks lined up. We had certain teams that gave us two players. We really did well in the expansion draft, but one of the things that we looked for was character. And you guys were talking about earlier, this team is based upon character, hard work, dedication, low ego, and that's the way the whole organization is uh, has been developed. And this team is a reflection of the character of the organization in adopting the night culture. So I am I couldn't be prouder. I went to went in the locker room after the game on uh, Sunday, uh, told all the guys how proud I was of them, congratulated them for great playing. That was a big game for this team to knock off the number one uh, number one team in the Pacific and a tough team. I mean, you're talking about Kopitar and Dowdy. Those are elite players that come to uh, bring their game every uh, every game they go to. So. Uh, we, and we beat them. We beat them. It, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a close game. We didn't steal a game. Uh, you can look at shots on goal. I mean, we beat those guys. The um, I want to kind of take you back to the day that you got the five thousand ticket deposits right in that first day. Um, what was your What was your thought process putting a hockey team in Vegas? You know, where did that? Where's that idea come from? Where, you know, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. I mean. Nobody else thought of it. It does seem a little um, uh, a little outside the box, but uh, we knew there was going to be an arena. Uh, we knew the league was receptive to having a team here, assuming we could prove that there was going to be demand for tickets. And actually, the first day we had about 3,800 deposits, and I was disappointed. I thought we'd have 10,000. Um, yeah. I, I had unrealistic expectations, but we then had 10,000 within five weeks. But I was getting emails from places like where Gary hung out, uh, Winnipeg. Well, it took us twelve minutes, you know, and it yeah. took you took you guys five weeks. You're, you're how, how good are you? Or, but um, it was really a, a kind of a team effort. We got got together. The, te- the the town got behind us. The town wanted an identity besides the strip. Uh, people for, who live in Las Vegas. Where do you live? I live in Las Vegas. Oh, you must go to the Strip all the time. You must gamble. You must do this. And and people that live in Las Vegas don't go to the Strip unless they work there. They stay out in the in the suburbs, so I really felt like this had a chance to be a really successful non traditional market. I believe it's going to be one of the very most successful non traditional markets uh, that we're going that we're, that we're going to see in the United States. It really this town has embraced the team. How much fun are you having? Oh, uh, you know, I'm having a lot more fun than I thought I would have, except. Um, when we win, I can't go to sleep till one thirty or two in the morning. So it's really, uh, you know, I'm I'm losing sleep. 
I come down right after the game, and I'm often standing outside the dressing room when you arrive to to go into the dressing room to talk to George and and Gerard, maybe some of the players. And uh, um, you're a very vital guy, but you looked wiped out some nights at the end of those games. You, it, the, the adrenaline must kind of get pretty wild for you during the games. Well, it's a, I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, but when you get to that third period and you're up three uh, two with five minutes left. Boy, that is just mentally taxing. And I sit, well, George and I, I it's, it's I sit, then George sits, then Kelly sits. So we have a certain order we sit in. I'm, we're not superstitious, but we do sit in the same spot every game. Routine. Uh, same, same routine, that's right. It's not yeah. superstition, it's just yeah. routine. And we are really into those games and watch them. And George, of course, is helping me, saying, well, see, just happened there. This this guy, he missed that pass. He passed the middle, whatever. Uh, so by the time I come down, I'm elated. But the adrenaline is the adrenaline's there, but I am exhausted. What are you going to do when we're in the playoffs? It's going to be, uh, boy, George said, wait till the playoffs. You're really going to learn something then. <laughs> so, so it's all sunk in right now, and we, we've talked about it. And you, your interviews you did back before this team, you talked about the whole organization, no egos, you know, embodying the culture of, you know, the work ethic, the character, uh, all those things you've seen come. You've seen a team, the best ever expansion team, historic start at home, eight and one, all these things in your wildest dreams. Now that they've come true, has it really sunk in right now? Or are you still, or, or now have your expectations kind of gone even up more? You know, I'm um, I'm I'm trying to keep expectations in line. I understand we're doing really well. That uh, we've stolen a few games. We've gone through some trials and tribulations. I mean, we've lost three goalies, and uh, yeah. that's not that's the guy that we thought that netminder we thought was going to be the guy that would keep us in games in terms of uh, in terms of flower. And he's been out since the fourth game. Uh, and I think I believe we would have won the Detroit game had he been in there and been healthy because uh, he let some goals get by him with he had that concussion. So I'm keeping my expectations in line, but uh, every time we win, my expectations do get a little bit higher, a little bit higher. And people that know me from business and my careers and so on, they know I don't enter anything to not win. I win at everything. And so what we're doing now is part of my culture, and uh, I intend to do everything I can to make this team better in terms of financial support in terms of learning more about the game so that I can help George and help Kelly and help Gerard. Uh, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make this team better next year and better the year after. If anything, my schedule for playoffs and for Stanley Cup has moved forward, not backwards, forward. Well, that's the right process to have, I guess. What's Absolutely. It, what's it been like, Bill? So you're the, you're the new guy in the block in terms of NHL owners, right? You're the 31st and the new. What's what's your interaction been like with other owners around the league, board of governors? Have they welcomed you in? What's your experience been like so far? Yeah, I, mean, I think we're really kind of all into our own uh, own teams and our own uh, own locations. Uh, I've gotten a lot of congratulatory letters. Welcome to the NHL. Um, after we do some things, I may not get those letters anymore uh, because we may be grabbing some players here and there that. Uh, they may not like quite as much, but I'm going to be a disruptor, and I'm I'm friendly with all the owners. Um, they've all been friendly to me, but I wouldn't say uh, I'd say I'm one of 31. But we're not uh, we're not drinking buddies yet. <laughs> <laughs> Probably even less so if you start to make some trades and uh, pick up some players. What do you, Thanksgiving season? We kind of were asked this in a different way, but what are you most thankful for this Thanksgiving year? Well, I mean, it's, it's just been a great. Uh, 
I, I mean, I feel I feel badly for the October first uh, victims. Um, that's still part of our culture here, and we're still trying to integrate ourselves in the community and be and be sympathetic to that. But really, I'm going to have a great Thanksgiving. We're going to have a game tomorrow night. Uh, be on TV. I've got my family coming in. Got a couple of. Uh, old friends and their wives coming in to have Thanksgiving with us. So this is really going to be an enjoyable Thanksgiving dinner, and we're all going to go to the game on uh, on on Friday that early afternoon that afternoon game. That's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I do have a few expectations about the next three games. I'm just uh, I'm very very hopeful, and hope I know it's not a solution that um, we can come through these next three games with some pretty good results. I got to ask you about the athletes. I was talking about earlier the hockey players. I don't know how much you've been around them, but to see these guys, is there anything that surprised you, whether on or even off the ice, about uh, about maybe personalities, characteristics uh, of the athlete? Well, I mean, I've known a lot of hockey players my whole life, and they're hockey. You said it earlier, Shane. I mean, hockey players are the most open, uh, genuine. Uh, they're mainly a lot of Western Canada farm boys, and they've started playing hockey when they were two or three years old. But what I have been really pleasantly surprised by, I'm, I'm not really surprised, I guess pleased by, is the fact that off the ice, these guys are willing to go anywhere and do anything and be part of the community. Whether it's going to that uh, children's cancer hospital, which is tough. They went to the convention center after the October 1st shooting, and that was tough. There were people looking for loved ones there, and they were in the middle of that. They went to the fire stations, police stations. These guys go out. They're doing canned food drives. The wives are doing canned food drives. They are the best, highest quality athletes in the world, with no exceptions, period. Bill Foley joining us, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, our guest of the day on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. You've talked a lot, Bill, about your experience at West Point and how it really molded you as a person. Um, if you could pick somebody from from even back then, I mean, who, who had the biggest impact on you that's kind of rolled it forward now all these years down the road to where you are today? Well, I'd, I'd say that um, when you're at West Point, you're, you're a student of history, and you learn from the historical context of the great captains. And so um, my senior year, my first year, we actually studied Napoleon for an entire semester, studied every one of his campaigns. We studied Hannibal for a month. Uh, I mean, that's how detailed we got. So I would, and we studied Patton. And Patton was the, was the greatest modern general that the West Point has produced or the United States has produced. And so we spent a lot of time on Patton. And I would say that the, the whole, their attitude of being fearless, always advancing, never retreating, and thinking outside the box, trying to do something a little different to surprise the opposition. Um, and that, that molded me. That really kind of gave me my, uh, my character. The old question of, you know, you like to play golf. Um, you know, if you could have three other guys in your group. Are some of those three you mentioned? I mean, somebody like a Patton. I know MacArthur is. There's a quote from MacArthur as we walk in our team offices. Who would be in your ideal foursome? Uh, well, Stonewall Jackson, George S. Patton, and probably uh, uh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Hannibal, one of the greatest captains of ancient times. I'm just I'm reading a book right now entitled Hannibal, and it's. Uh, it is about his about his life and uh, the fact when he was nine years old, his father took him to their temple, and they had a sacrifice, and he made his son, made Hannibal, dip his hands in the blood of the victim and swear eternal um, eternal hatred of Rome, and that's what Hannibal did. Did you study uh, Did you study Marian Francis? 
Oh yeah, yep, yep. Not uh, no emphasis. Not emphasis. No, no, yeah. no emphasis. He's one of my favorite guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Foley joining us, uh, owner of the Vegas Golden Knights, our guest of the day here on Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave podcast. We have one more segment, Bill. You want to hang around? I mean, are you busy? I know you're a busy, man. You got a lot more important things to do than hang out with these four dopes, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I enjoy listening, seeing what, seeing what you guys are talking about. All right. About, All so. right. So we're going to, we got one more segment coming up here. Razor Fold. Bill Foley's going to be nice enough to join us. Our podcast brought to you by the Armory. If you're looking for the latest in Vegas Golden Knights gear, stop by the Armory, the official team store of the Golden Knights, right at T-Mobile Arena. Stop by today. Get the newest team gear, including the hottest jersey in sports. The Armory entrance can be accessed through Toshiba Plaza in front of T-Mobile Arena. So um, we're going to get to raise or fold now where um, where we, you know, in the Vegas spirit, we talk about raising or folding. Um, and um, why not with the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights? So, um, so there's been a lot of talk, Bill, about... Um, a lot of trade talk around the NHL. I know it's early. Trade deadline's a little ways away. Um, but do you raise or fold right now that maybe is a, there's a deal to be made for your team as we sit here now in the, the third week of November? George and I talked about it a little bit yesterday. And, um, and uh, what George has uh, told me is that if he can improve the team, he will do that. Otherwise... Uh, he's going to stay the course. So there are a lot of teams that would like to grab a couple of our guys for uh, for offense or offense, as you might say, <laughs> that may say up north. Offense against. <laughs> but you know we've we've got a team that's really gelling, and um, Max is doing a great job in goal. But we do have some really experienced goal t- one one really experienced goaltender who's still on the sidelines. I'd sure like to see our team with uh, with Flower back in goal and and see what would uh, see what would happen. So I say we we do not raise at this time. We so stay the course. So you fold on a trade for now. I, I raise, always subject to change. I raise on a deal that uh, can do multiple things for the Golden Knights. If the if the offer is out there is so rich that it can. Continue to keep the present intact, which is hard to do when you're moving a guy out. So I understand exactly what you're saying, Bill. But if you could, if you can bring a guy in that plays today, you can bring in a prospect that you can put in Chicago to develop, and you can get a draft pick. Like if if the if the haul gets that large, if people get when pe- if people get desperate, then 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 I'm I'm good for a deal. I'm right now folding because you have to be careful right now of a team that is rolling along of disrupting that flow within the room. There is a group of guys that have battled together and accomplished something pretty special right now. And you bring something in, there could be a ripple effect uh, because these guys are committed to each other right now. And, you know, depending on the player, you get you know you get a trade you can't refuse. But right now, when they're winning and rolling the way they are, they they've got 13 forwards right now, and you've got a guy that's you know in and out of the lineup. One guy they've kind of been rotating between the Leipzig, and we we seen Lindbergh, uh, Carrier. Uh, you bring another guy in that pulls somebody. I think those guys are kind of accepting and motivated to get in. They know now to get in that lineup. I just think you have to caution towards possibly disrupting that room a little bit now the type of player you bring in and i'll just i'll just add to that and i I totally agree with you sheriff 
We talked just about not wanting to change the starting goaltender from night to night. Why would you want to disrupt what seems to be a good thing? Now, there's been success for the most part. There's been a dip here or there, but as... Our, our owner has pointed out just a moment ago, goaltending has been the question mark, but they have managed to work through that. So I, I'm I'm folding on a trade right now. I fold on it too, just for that reason. I, I think you've got a you've got something special here, and you know Shane can attest to it. that. Doesn't happen every year. Guys that care for each other, guys that want to play for each other, guys that don't want to let the the guy beside him down. Um, to pull that up to 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 change that now, with how well things by and large have been going, I. I say uh, I say thanks, but no thanks. So we fold on that. American Thanksgiving, Bill. You probably know this number, but um, we've talked. It's been talked about a lot. So since 78 percent of the teams that have been in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving have gone on to make the playoffs. Um, there's been a few outliers to it, but by and large, if you're in by Thanksgiving, you're in in to stay. Raise or fold that the that the VGKs are going to be part of that 78 percent this year and stay in a playoff spot. Oh, we're in. <laughs> I'm shocked by that answer. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that, was, that wasn't a raise. That was an all-in. Yeah. Mr. All Bill in, just pushed some chips in there. Down. What were the odds unfolding there for Bill? I'd yeah. say uh, minus. Yeah, zero, zero. Well, since that would have been news. Yeah, <laughs> I fold. Even more impressive, since 2006, the last, uh, you know, the last lockout, 44 of the 44 teams that were um, out of the playoffs, only four have made the playoffs. Yeah. At Thanksgiving, yeah. So less than ten percent get into the playoffs that were that were out of the playoffs. So very very interesting stats. So Thanksgiving is actually kind of a watershed day. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, we've been saying this for a while. You don't make the playoffs in October or November, but you can miss them. And uh, with the three point game, uh, I race Vegas is. Uh, uh, this is we're going to see a pretty important story authored here. It's going to be fun. Mm. I think it's unanimous. Uh, I think we're all going to raise, raise on this one. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, for sure. I dare you not to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd be going through Dan. the window That's right now. <laughs> not going to happen. You can say anything once. <laughs> you guys, come on. If, you're, if, if you really don't want to go to Rock Creek this summer, go ahead. Go ahead, fold. <laughs> no, I'm going to bite my lip. Yeah. <laughs> Next on Razor Fold, Bill, and, and one of the things that we've been blown away by is the atmosphere at T-Mobile Arena. Um, is that Razor Fold, is that something that's sustainable over the course of a, of a long season? Oh, yeah, Razor. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, we, got our, we have our fans behind us. What I thought was interesting, you guys are down on closer to the ice a lot, but the, when the guys are on the ice, the, the, the players I've talked to, I said, what's it like? And they, they, they have all said to a man... This is the best arena I've ever played in. The fans are more engaged. The fans are loud, and it's very intimidating for the other team. Uh, and we're having sellout after sellout after sellout. Part of it's winning, but part of it is the fact that this is Vegas's team. And uh, we're going to have a great year, and we're going to have fan engagement all year. So that's a big raise. I'll raise to that. And, and huh? thinking about just in, in some of the conversations we've had, and in the first handful of games, how from night to night, different elements have been introduced to make the game experience even more special. So it's sort of hockey is the feature attraction, but it seems you come to the next game, there's going to be something else new to see or a new part of the building that maybe you hadn't been before. And I've had some family and some friends come to visit, and I feel that I haven't been able to show them everything because there's something new that's being introduced. So 
I'm eager to see, obviously I'm raising here, but I'm eager to see how that grows and how it might be even a little bit different later in the season um, compared to how it is now and, and looking beyond that. In the arena, outside the arena, on the ice, on the video screen, all of that, It's there's just such a, a, a blank canvas that is being painted beautifully, but there's more room on the canvas to add. One of my favorite things to do is to, before a game, to see opposition fans huh. out in uh, Toshiba Plaza and to see sort of they're kind of what's this going to be like, and then after the game you go to the park to Beer House and you where see we have our new radio place? show. Yeah. Stop by and say hello. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> and you see those same people, and they're coming up to you and they're going, "Wow, this is this is amazing. This is." And we have talked endlessly about you know. Every community wants to develop a sports hospitality entertainment district. Well, in Vegas, it's the greatest sports hospitality entertainment district, and you just plop the rink in the middle of it. And the weather, everything that combines, and then Johnny Greco and his team doing a fantastic job on the entertainment side inside the building. And then I think there's this, it's similar to to markets that have lost their teams. We saw, Shane and I saw this in Winnipeg. There was this pent-up energy. There's a similar pent-up energy in Vegas for people that wanted their own team. And now they have it, and they bring it inside that building. It's been fantastic. I think it's sustainable. I raise on it just because, uh, you know, we were part of some of those fan marches earlier in the year. Started over at New York, New York. Like, where where else do you, nobody does that. You're marching through the park and then through the plaza. And look, it, it is Vegas. People are out there with their, with their beverages getting ready for the game. And as Gary said, they're out there after the game. Like, uh, and you can't do this just, you know, we had this conversation, Bill, um, I don't know, maybe a podcast or two ago about the best home ice advantage in the league. And, you know, the running thought all these years was Nashville was, was certainly had that or was in the running because, you know, you go to Nashville, all those great music bars up and down Broadway. Well, we had the Winnipeg Jets were in Vegas for four nights. Chicago, I think, was here for three nights. And then you throw all the emotion into, you know, what the crowd's been like at T-Mobile Arena. I raised that. I don't, I'm with you, Dan. I can't wait to see it for a playoff game. For, for a random game in November, it's been unbelievable. So you throw a game in April or May or, you know, cross your fingers, June. That would be beyond belief. No, it's an easy race. I've been... NHL now, it's 17, 18 years going to buildings. The one thing that's changed, though, is it's the game to, to sell. It's more than just the game. You, you can't survive right. on that alone. It's about the entertainment. And I think we've seen that in the league. And in the year, you know, we're in 2017, 18. It has to be more. And there's nowhere that does it better. You mentioned Nashville. I, I think of myself as a fan, which... I'm never going to get to be one here, unfortunately, but I, I still am, but I, I'm not going to be able to be out there prior to the game engaging in all the activities as much as I would love to. Uh, yeah, tr- that, that's the hardest thing, being part of that march. Shane, is, I go to work. Uh, <laughs> but there, there is nothing like it. You've got, and it's been talked about, you put a building right on the most entertaining street in the world. You bring a team that competes, is highly entertaining. you got fans. You, it's... There, there's no better setup, and it is easily going to last for a long, long time. Two more to go on Razor Fold. This one's interesting. General Manager George McPhee, Bill. Razor Fold, he goes on a free agent spending spree this offseason. It's not my money. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I would say is that we have the, we have the cap space, and yeah. we have the money. Uh, so uh, George and I have talked about it, and, uh, and, and if there's opportunity for the right players 
I won't say player, right players, we're going to go get them. We're going to bring them in. Awesome. What's the cap next year? Ninety million. I think they should go right to it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll probably be about seventy. Yeah, I know. But, but you know, when we're I'm done, just giving with, a hard time. Yeah, when we're done with a couple of the guys that are in IR yeah. that are in one-year deals and so on, we're going to have about twenty-four, twenty-five million of cap space. Now we've got to sign some guys, uh, but we've got a lot of cap space, and a lot of teams don't have any cap space. Gary? Well, Gary. Uh, it's not my favorite way to build a team, and I think that building a team through the draft does a couple of things because you get your own players, Absolutely. you ingrain them in your culture, and then they come along, and then I think you want to have that cap space down the line so that you can draft, develop, and retain. All that being said, this is a different situation. It's not a rebuild. It's a build. George will have some flexibility and some cap space. I would just want to say this. Because of the brilliant culture and the way guys are coming along, I'd want to be really careful on the character of the guy you're bringing in. And much like you just talked about with the trade scenario, yeah. and my big thing on the trade scenario is is collecting draft picks. Because yeah. I think that's the way oh, certainly. you win a Stanley Cup is with drafting your those. own guys. You know, So if it's, if it's a guy that George and Kelly and Vaughn that, that they think they know his character and he can be the right part, for sure, but spending just to spend, uh, I'm not doing that. Uh, not 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 me. So I'll I'll raise on it, but very careful, judicious spending of the money. I, just to add to that, yeah, and I you, I raise on it, but I think you got the right people to make the decisions. And the day of just throwing cash at players is gone. I think we've certainly seen a lot more conscious effort from general managers to be smart about the signing, and they're going to know. And there's another kind of uh, outlier, if you want, that I think is going to build, there's always an attraction to certain places. Yeah, Vegas is going to have that yeah. Great to point. the free agents. So, mm-hmm. if, so if the guy is willing to come here Absolutely. on a team-friendly deal oh. because he wants to be part of what's happening here, fine. But to, to, to get in a bidding war... For no, no for no. for player A, B, or C, not but not that, down. But for that, that is a big thing that Vegas is going to have, and I know that for a fact. Guys want to are going to want to play here. They're going to want to live here. You do that two ways. You have a great place to live, great facilities, which are world class, or and you win. Uh, right now, you kind of got both going. We'll see how that goes on. But this is going to be an attraction to a lot of free agents. You know, the only thing I'd say about the draft is, and I don't disagree with you, but because of the lottery system, the way it's set up now, if you're the worst team like uh, Colorado was last year, and they get knocked down. And yeah. that's one thing I don't want to just, uh, and George and I have talked about it, and Carp and I have talked about it, and Kelly, if we just rely upon the draft and getting that, trying to get that high draft pick and we get knocked down like we were from three to six, I'm not saying we didn't get some great draft picks this past year, because we did. But they should have given us three. We should have had the third pick, no matter what. Three should have been locked in. When you wrote the check, you should have been said year three, two, or one. Three at the worst. And I think the league uh, actually understands that now. Um, So I like the idea of getting some prospects that have been around for a couple, three years that you know are good. Maybe they're AHLers that uh, have played a few games in the NHL. Uh, Theodore, Tuck, mm-hmm. those are that age group is could really fill a gap for us. And what I was saying about getting guys, that trades and so on, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. Where are you? I've never had a chance to ask you this. I never thought of this. Where are you on an offer sheet 
I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> I just wonder how Bill feels about four guys staying in the room talking about spending his money. That's right. <laughs> Again, easy for us to say. Right. Yeah. Well, I, he was winning that contest. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll, I'll raise on this, this conversation, I'll throw just one thing in, and the idea is how a contract of a certain size might be beneficial in the short term, but down the line, handcuffs you and you can go down the list and and you know rick DiPietro with the islanders is the first one that comes to mind because it was so long and there was so much money and he was such a disaster but others not quite as catastrophe filled that's the concern if you're going to throw too much money in too many years at one guy so as has been already discussed it's a raise with some prudence yeah i mean i raise it too with some asterisks to it and i i like you know bill's thought of you know guys that are in that Maybe they're in that little area where they've played a little bit. 20, 21 years yet. old. Yep. Opportunity, mm-hmm. new team. Um, so I would raise on that with a, with an asterisk too. All right. Our final razor fold bill, and this is the most important one on razor fold. Razor fold on a wine tour at Foley Family Vineyards. Raise. <laughs> <laughs> For us four guys. And Toast can come too. Take the show on the road. <laughs> well, no, it has to be like a promotion, like where we, you know, we... We sell it. People can buy the opportunity to uh, to participate in a Foley Family Wine Vineyard tour yeah. with with us, the, the cast of characters. Oh, bid on that. Hashtag <laughs> SLGND. You can come too. Yeah, I think it'd be great. Love to All do right. it. All right, we let's, are recording this. Just yeah, so you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, so let's so let's go. Let's go to let's start at Chalk Hill. Go to Roth, the Lancaster, Foley Sonoma, uh, Sebastiani, Foley Johnson, uh, Maris. Um, the whole t- the whole tour. I'm this getting is thirsty here. Yeah. This is Christmas morning Billy, early. You do know that Duva in Italian means of the grapes, right? <laughs> you told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so we all raise. Oh, we big to raise. big. I yeah. double down. Yeah. All right, we'll narrow down some Roth. dates. Bill. We'll get spend, back to you. Uh, I could spend a day or two at Roth. That's uh, yeah. it's, I, I like it. It's fantastic. This is um, this is unbelievable how great this just worked out for us. <laughs> best day ever. We can cancel the podcast. The best host. day in the We're history out. of the world. I you can't know? wait to listen to the podcast. We record having already consumed maybe a glass or two of full of family wine. <laughs> I want to go back to see that fish Gary cut. Yeah, that's right. That's we right. Photographic we, whenever, whenever we read the Rock Creek mm-hmm. promo, Gary talks about this 25 pound. By actually, no, there's no, like no. a little I guppy. Caught a very a little small, guppy. I caught a very small brown He's got trout. a picture of it. Oh, I'll take a picture of that. <laughs> a picture. That's got to be at least six inches. <laughs> I like Bill. <laughs> Objects in the rearview mirror appear larger, right? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's great stuff, Bill. We appreciate it. We have one final segment here on our podcast. And, of course, uh, a large portion of the podcast is brought to you by Bill and Carol Foley. They've created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate three of their greatest passions, world-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of their society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life, and they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. So we do a final thing here, Bill, called, um, it's basically fact check. Like, we we screw a lot of things up during this show, (laughs) myself at the top of the list. And Dan gets his number two pencil out and basically calls us out, and then we have who the stars of the day of the podcast are, who made the best arguments and why. So... Dan, the stage is yours. Well, let's start with the fact check. And a couple of things for you, Dave. Okay. <laughs> wow. Calgary did make the playoffs. Okay, good. <laughs> 
And they got swept promptly by the Anaheim Ducks. Okay, good. Anaheim, Mm -hmm. okay. And and from earlier in the program, there are eight Golden Knights with five or more goals. Is that that a new development? That is a new development. There were seven as of Sunday. Oh, it's eight. I just counted. All right. Would you like me to count again and name them all? I think you're wrong, but go ahead. Press on. Well, we can double (laughs) check the fact check and and move on from there if you like. No. Uh, And this is not so much a fact check, but this is just to supplement from our discussion earlier. The friends at the Elias Sports Bureau uh, dug into that home winning streak. Did you see this the other day? No. 7-0, of course, the winning streak for the Golden Knights and the longest winning streak for an expansion, not an expansion team, but a team in its inaugural season. Any guesses what it is? Because the Golden Knights are now within one of this team. Wow. They have surpassed the Vancouver Canucks, who had done it 1970. They had gone six, so they were tied now with seven. But eight, there's one team eight, with eight. Eight for the Montreal Canadiens. Toronto. Toronto, the Toronto Arenas. Like in 1917. 1917-1918. From oh. December 21st to February 11th. So they must not have played many home games. Or well, a lot of games. Like like that's 48 yeah. games or something. <laughs> that's the grocery schedule. So we go down the list of, uh, of all the records that the Golden Knights continue to, to chase and often surpass and uh, there's another one that could be tied on friday when the sharks come to town so did anybody else screw anything up besides me they or did no? but, okay, um, but but those the were the most the glaring ones the so, most um, egregious errors <laughs> you know that, those are the <laughs> ones that i could uh, that i could dig up and correct most easily you know it's not like digging into the the whl championship history like i had to do for gary a couple of weeks ago that was i to do some really hard deep digging for that one great cup yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you want to go this weekend? You want to go into Sam the stars and somebody else? You yes, want to go to the stars of the program? Sure. Yeah. I mean, and we can certainly enlist the uh, the opinion of Bill Foley. Bill, if, if you would like to to weigh in on on what you think between these guys here, who had the strongest arguments? <laughs> Certainly not looking good for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the sheriff. The sheriff has the strongest. Oh, arguments. sheriff! Yes. Oh, I'm giving three of four. That's right. Yeah. Sheriff has won two of the last three. First stars there, Bill. So there you go. And I will, I will. Normally uh, I would really start to chirp right now, but there's no <laughs> living with them now. Yeah, okay. right. I, I, but I do go back to the quiz questions, and this is where I kind of keep a plus plus or a minus minus, depending on the arguments if I think they hold water or not. But I, I will say, Dave, that in the quiz section alone, you got the most pluses. I was aw- I was awesome. Doing yes, the quiz, you got you got two pluses there for the Riley Smith discussion. Thank you. You got uh, now Shane got two pluses for the Nate Smith discussion, uh, but uh, but then Gosher got the uh, the William Carlson there. Did for you the notice selfie. he took two first? Like usually we rotate around answer first. No, twice in a row. No, I went three times. Three times. Do I ever get any points for completely saying things that are just different? Yeah. So that the, you got the first star two weeks ago. I should have got it today. Different. Too. The question was who is the best hey, defense? You know what? And he said a coach. That, that's no, right. I, what you guys are going to say? I might have right. docked you points the there for that one for McGill, and we love McGill, but. Come on. I mean, that was not the question was, who's going to be a candidate for the Norris? McGill's not eligible. He's uh, as eligible as I am. It was a write-in. It was a write-in. <laughs> okay. Uh, there you have it. Uh, that's all for me. All right, Dan. Thanks very much. Uh, Bill, we can't thank you enough yep, for, uh, be here. For, for taking some time. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving and, um, and beyond that. And good luck for the, for the rest of the year. It's been great so far. Bill Foley joining us, the owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody from the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND coming to you from our studios in Vegas. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next time.